All right, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, great, glad to hear it. Hey, we, uh, one of the cool things about uh, September is it seems like every Sunday we have a new Harvest Bible Chapel that's starting somewhere in creation. And uh, this Sunday is, uh, is no different. We actually have two, and uh, we're going to talk about those for a second. Fort Wayne, Indiana is the first one. We got uh, Pastor Jamie and his wife, Courtney Hart, and uh, that's their family there. So we're definitely excited uh, about what God's doing in Indiana. And we got another one here uh, happening in Nairobi, Kenya, and that's uh, Pastor Peter Nguji. And uh, I mean, amazing, right? Amazing what God's doing through, uh, through harvest and definitely blessing it and, and bringing the gospel out and amazing, amazing things like that. He is working in, uh, in huge power for sure. And, uh, and speaking of power, we, you might remember from last week, we have those four books and they're at the front uh, along the sides, uh, four books where you're able to uh, just come up. Um, at any time before or after the service and put and write in names of, of people, loved ones that you know uh, who do not yet know Jesus Christ. Okay, and we're going to be pr- a praying church for these people, amen? We're going to be praying for them hard and we're going to leave these things out uh, as long as we need to. And I was flipping through them uh, this morning uh, when I got here and I mean, it's, they're full. There's tons of names in there uh, for sure. And, and, and kind of our, our heart would be that if, if someone on that list gets saved and you hear about it, that you would come and just kind of draw a cross beside that name. So when people are flipping through that, they can see and rejoice and, uh, and, and praise the Lord for all those great things that uh, he's doing in people's lives. And uh, kind of a report on all of that I actually found out uh, this week that somebody in our church whose name was in the book actually put his faith in Jesus Christ on Wednesday night at uh, Awana. So super psyched about that, a guy that I've personally been praying for for quite a while, and uh, really cool to see what God's doing there. I actually just found out this morning when I got here that there's another guy who came for the first time last Sunday, uh, first time ever to harvest, and got saved on Thursday night. So pretty amazing what, uh, what God's doing. He's moving in power and uh, glory, and uh, want much more of that. All right, well, um, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bible now. We're going to get into this and turn it to uh, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And today we're getting into uh, the second message of our uh, five-part series simply called Gospel. Okay, it's just called Gospel. And the idea here is that we have kind of boiled down the Gospel into uh, five words or, or five key concepts that you uh, really need to grasp in order to truly understand God's plan of salvation uh, for you. Okay, and so we, uh, we really want to make this as crystal clear and as, as simple as possible for everyone in the room. Okay, whether or not uh, you know Christ or not. Okay, whether you're unsaved or you've been a follower of Jesus Christ for uh, 55 years or something like that. We want to make it simple. Right? We don't want to overcomplicate it or muddy the waters at all. Okay, but let me say this. Okay, if any one of those five words is missing from your understanding of the gospel, you don't have the gospel. Straight up. Okay, you don't have it. Okay, you have something uh, incomplete. Uh, inferior and unbiblical. And so that's why uh, last week Todd said this is probably the most important series we've ever done in our 11 years together here as a church. Okay, the most important series. If we don't have the gospel locked down, uh, we got nothing. Okay, we really don't. We got nothing at all. And so last Sunday, Pastor Todd kicked our series off with the first of five words. Who can remember what the first word was? Someone just yell it out. God, nice work. And we got the graphic up there. Uh, So we talked about uh, God. And uh, how the gospel message starts right there with almighty God, our creator. And sort of the main idea last week was that there is a God and everyone knows it. I love that. 
I couldn't get that, uh, that line out of my mind all week. Everyone knows it. God's revealed himself through creation. And when we see it, we can't help but know uh, deep down uh, that there's a creator out there. Okay, deep down, we all know this. And, and on top of that, we've all been wired to desire him and have him be the one who fulfills our deepest desires for things like love and belonging and, and purpose. Okay, now, we also know that, uh, that some people, though, well, let's say a lot of people, uh, suppress that truth, right? They suppress it, um, or they come up with, uh, they ignore it, or they come up with other uh, plausible, so-called plausible ways that maybe we came into existence um, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if we're brutally honest, you know, and we look at the evidence all around us in creation, if we look at what scripture clearly reveals to us, uh, we can't deny it, right? God is real. He really is. And the, and the absolutely astounding thing on top of all of that, the astounding implication of all of that is that this God who created uh, galaxies and stars and, and came up with things like uh, gravity, okay, crazy stuff like that, this amazing God, okay, wants, wants a personal relationship with little old you and me. Okay, that's amazing. Uh, pretty incredible, incredible thing. Now, all of that is true. Okay, there's a God and everyone knows it. That's step one. Okay, but where a lot of people's understanding of the gospel gets foggy or where they, where do they, where they go into the ditch altogether with their understanding is, uh, is step two. And step two is that there's a dilemma, right? There's a big problem that exists. Uh, my sin separates me from God. And so sin is, is the second word that we're going to be going through today. That's the second word we've got to wrap our, our hearts and minds around. If we're going to have a biblical understanding of God's plan of redemption uh, for mankind. Okay, now the gospel, you've probably heard this before, literally means what? Literally means good news, right? It means good news. Uh, but the part in there that tells me that I am uh, a sinful being and that my sin has created a huge problem or, or driven a wedge between me and God, um, that whole part of it is often called the bad news part of the gospel. Okay, the bad news part of the good news. And it's called the bad news because, uh, let's be honest, it's the hard truth that each person needs to grapple with, that each person needs to hear and, uh, and understand and face before they can ever get to the awesome truth that Jesus saves. Okay, you, got, you got to take this path. If you want to be at a place where you are saved and walking with the Lord, you got to face your, your sin. Okay, I would even say this. Okay, if you don't have a proper understanding of the weight of your sin, Christ's sacrifice on the cross will never seem awesome to you. It won't. You know, when I think about uh, my own life and I think about others sometimes that I see around me who are maybe uh, in a place where they're lukewarm or they're stale or zero passion whatsoever for the Lord, but claiming to be Christians, it's because they've lost sight of the, of the significance and the weight of their sin. They've lost sight of that. They've forgotten about it. They've maybe never knew about it. They stopped paying attention. And listen, we can't take any of this stuff lightly. We can't. And I'm going to be really upfront with you here this morning, you know, especially to any of you who, who don't know Jesus Christ as your, uh, as your savior. Okay. Maybe you're, you're searching, you're trying to figure out what's this whole church thing and, and, uh, God thing all about, or maybe you just flat out think the, the very idea of God is insanity. And you're like, what's with this guy up here talking? What an idiot, right? Maybe that's, maybe that's where you're at. Okay. Maybe it is. And if that is you, uh, you're going to hear some things this morning that will likely offend you. Okay, they will. But I want you to hear this. 
Okay, I say uh, none of these things um, because I hate you or from a position of like, I think I'm better than you and I'm on my high horse and be more like me. Not like that at all. Okay, by God's grace, I, I share these things out of, out of a love for the lost. Okay, and, and because I have seen the Lord's love transform my life. And I remember, it kind of just feels like yesterday, to be honest with you. I was about nine years ago. I remember sitting in, in the front row at church. Amazing sense of humor the Lord has. I was in the very front row. Okay, and he just broke into my life for the first time and brought like a heaviness of conviction. And I remember literally sitting there sweating and freaking out because of what my sin was doing to myself and people around me and between my, uh, me and the Lord. And I remember, that, I remember an hour later just bawling my eyes out and confessing all of that. And it was, it was, it was uncomfortable. It was awkward. It was painful, uh, but so, so worth it. Okay, so the gospel... And, uh, and especially the sin part, okay, that's the, that's the truth that almost always offends. But if you face that truth, if you own up to what you've done and what you are doing, and you work through that and get through the difficulty, it will set you free. I'm telling you right now, it's an amazing thing, a forgiveness. Okay, so let's get to our verse for today, all right? Let's get to it. You guys there? If you're in Romans 3.23, say go. All right, here we go. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, that's it. That's the main verse we're looking at here today. Not a long verse, but uh, trust me, tons packed in there. All right, but before we get to it, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, you are awesome uh, in this place, Lord. And let's be honest, you are awesome, period. Um, Lord, I pray that we would catch uh, a face full of that here today. Lord, I pray that you would fall in this place in, in glory, Lord, that your manifest presence would be here with us. God, I pray that you would uh, be stirring in our hearts here this morning through a, a difficult truth, but you would be stirring in our hearts, stirring especially in those who uh, don't know Christ as Savior, that today they would, they would put their faith in him and be, be done with sin and be done with the baggage and the nonsense and the garbage that all of it creates. Lord, may we see how much you love us despite how, how awful we, we really are. God, I pray for those of us here, maybe who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but getting stale and all of that, getting uh, or lacking passion. God, would you, would you ignite the fire? Would you, as your word says in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation? Lord, would you do that here today? Lord, do you do that when we face the facts about our sin, when we deal with it through Jesus Christ? Would you be uh, working in us now? Remove the distractions. Uh, protect us from the enemy's advances who's going to want to be distracting us here. Would you bring glory to your name through all of this? Make it clear, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so again, what we're going for here is just a real, real simple understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A simple understanding of what God says the gospel is. Amen? I mean, it's not, it's not up to me. It's not up to any one of us to define uh, what the gospel is. It's about to him. It's about to God and his word. Okay, and so the second step of our journey then, what we're going to be talking about today, is just realizing that there's a dilemma. There's a dilemma. Uh, my sin separates me from God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to answer uh, three questions uh, today that this verse, Romans 3.23, begs us to ask. And you got them all there in your notes, so you can follow along that way. And so the first one, you'll see it there, is how did we get here? Okay, how did we get here? You know, how did we get into this mess where we are so alienated from God, where we are so separated from him, this God who loves us, 
What went wrong? Okay, well, the Bible, it's pretty upfront about all of that. We just read the verse, but let's check it out again. Romans 3.23 just hits us with it. It says, all have sinned. All have sinned. I mean, there it is. God just comes out and says it. He's like, uh, you've blown it. Okay, every single one of you, without exception, uh, you've messed up. Okay, there it is, right out in the open. Right? We don't have to go like searching. Like, where is it? I wish God would be clear about this. He just like nails us. There it is. And I mean, just a few verses earlier in verse uh, 10 of chapter 3, it says, none is righteous, no, not one. None. None of us is righteous. We have totally missed the mark when it comes to being perfectly holy, when it, becomes, it comes to being perfectly righteous. Okay, all of us have sinned, and all of our sin is ultimately against God. Here's what John Stott had to say. He's like a legendary uh, evangelical teacher and theologian. Um, He said this, All human beings of every race and rank, of every creed and culture, Jews and Gentiles, the immoral and the moralizing, the religious and the irreligious, are without any exception sinful, guilty, inexcusable, and speechless before God. Now, you know, maybe you're sitting here this morning, and that totally rubs you the wrong way. You're like, man, what, what's up with that? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy. Or, you know, I've, I've done all right in my life. I, I haven't messed up all that bad. And, you know, I've never, you know, I've never killed anyone before. I've never picked up a prostitute. Or, you know, I always pay my taxes on time. And, and I've never stolen cable or anything like that. Okay, maybe that's you. Maybe that's what you're saying. Or maybe you're kind of a, the other side of that, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm a good person because you know, I'm reading my Bible all the time, and I, I know it better than you, buddy. And, you know, I come to church every week, and, and I'm serving in the church. Um, I'm, I'm pretty solid. I'm a good guy. Okay, maybe that's what you're saying. And my response to that would be, and more importantly, Scripture's response to that would be, uh, okay, so you're not as bad as you could be. Okay, you're not as bad as you could be. Okay, but maybe you're just uh, not quite as good as you think you are. And maybe in, uh, in a moment of brutal uh, honesty uh, between yourself and the Lord, or maybe between yourself and uh, someone that you trust and know, uh, you would admit a few things. Maybe one, what you would do is you admit that, you know what, I've told a lie before. I've lied. You know, and for you, maybe it's like, well, yeah, but it was a, it was a little white lie. You know, it, was, it wasn't that big of a deal. And I did it when I was like seven, so who cares? You know, but hey, you told a lie, right? You told a lie then you would admit that. Okay, so lying is maybe one for you. Maybe you would admit that you've stolen something before in your life. You ever stolen anything? I'm not necessarily talking about like armed robbery or anything like that. Maybe it was when you were, again, you were a little kid and, and you stole a penny candy or something like that from the corner store. You do something like that? Or what about uh, thievery on a heart level? Like maybe you've taken credit for something that wasn't yours. Right, that, that's stealing. Even on a heart level, you're there. There's a couple other sins that we can, we can be guilty of on a heart level. What about um, hatred? You ever hated someone? Like, man, my, my neighbor, I hate that guy. Guy always blows his snow onto my driveway and like, what a jerk, right? Sorry to talk about snow. I know it's only September, but man, my neighbor can't stand that guy. Hate him. Okay, well, the Bible says that if you've ever hated anybody before um, on a heart level, uh, you're guilty of murder. Okay, you're guilty of murder, Here's one more. Lust. Maybe you'd admit that. I've lost it before. Maybe you've, you've looked at pornography or something like that. Okay, well, Jesus says in, in the scriptures that uh, if you've looked lustfully upon a woman, you're guilty of uh, committing adultery with her in your heart. Okay, so what is all this saying? 
realize what I did there? I took four of the 10 commandments. Okay, just four of them, not even half. And I, everyone in this room has blown every one of those to some degree. I didn't even talk about the other six. Okay, we're guilty. And just taking those first four that I talked about, guess what that makes us? It makes us lying, thieving, murderous adulterers. I mean, that's like, that's a hard way of putting it, isn't it? It's ugly. But I mean, we need to see our sin like that. We need to see our sin as, as ugly. It's, a, it's abhorrent in the eyes of God. This is, this is what, we've, what we've done, and, and it doesn't make any of us deserve heaven. I'm the first one to admit that about myself. Don't deserve it at all. Okay, and God, he's not just going to um, sweep it under the rug when we meet him before the pearly gates someday at the end and, and uh, just forget about it and pretend none of it exists and, hey, come on in. Okay, he's not going to do that because he's a good and just God. Okay, think about it this way. If, uh, if, a, if a murderer goes before a judge, okay, he's come clean about everything that he's done. He's, he's murdered a lot of people, let's say. And he comes before a judge and he says, um, hey, judge, because, because you're a good man, I think that you, uh, you should just let me go. You should just let me go. What's the judge's response to that going to be? Right? Because I'm a good man, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to punish you. If I didn't judge you, if I didn't punish this, this wrong thing that you did, then I would be a lousy judge. I'd be the worst judge in the world. Okay, same kind of idea with God. Because God is holy and, and righteous, um, he has to take care of sin. When you break it right down, you and I, were just not good. Okay, we're not good people. We're inherently flawed, and that puts us in serious trouble before a holy God. Okay, so that's what's wrong with us. Okay, we've all sinned. Hopefully that's clear. But again, how exactly did we get here? How, how did all of mankind veer so far off course? Where did it all begin? It's kind of like you ever been on a, on a road trip before or something like that, and you're driving, and then all, you made a wrong turn somewhere, and uh, all of a sudden you're like, man, we were supposed to be in like beautiful Banff, and instead we're in like ultra-depressing Winnipeg or something like that. You ever done that? What do you do in that moment? Okay, you go back and you're like, look through, hey, where did the wrong turn happen that I ended up in this like awful, awful place when I could have been in Banff, right? You go back to the beginning. And so that's what we're going to do here. Turn back to the beginning to get an understanding of how mankind uh, made the wrong turn in the first place. Why don't you go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter two. Keep your finger in Romans. Let me just say that because we're going to jump around a little bit. Okay, we're going to jump around for, uh, to a bunch of different scriptures. And uh, so I'm just giving you the heads up and the warning about uh, all of that. Okay, so Genesis uh, chapter 2. And uh, this is where everything um, went horribly wrong. Okay, Genesis 2, we're going to start in verse 7 there. It says, Then the Lord formed, man, formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Okay, so God, he creates uh, Adam, the first human who we're all uh, related to ultimately. Okay, so kind of think of like my great, 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 great times a billion great grandfather. Okay, think, think about that. That's basically Adam, right? We're related uh, to him all the way back from the same bloodline. Okay, and then the passage kind of keeps moving all the way through that and talking about the Garden of Eden and how God created that and put man in charge of it. And, and uh, this garden was amazing. But let's pick it back up again in verse uh, 15. Okay, 15. It says, the Lord God took man... And put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, uh, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. 
For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, so this is where we see, uh, for the first time in Scripture, right at the beginning of the book, okay, the choice laid in front of man. He had a choice now. God says, uh, here's the garden. Eat anything you want in this entire garden except for this tree in the middle of it. He's like, don't touch that one or it's, uh, it's game over for you. Okay, and so Adam, he has the choice. He's like, obey uh, God and live. You know, working in the garden and enjoying this incredible paradise and total intimacy with God. By the way, a little side note about that. Intimacy with God that you and I can only imagine. Okay, before um, Adam sinned, there was no such thing as, as guilt or shame. And uh, it says that, uh, that Eve, rather, was created in verse 22. And they walked around uh, naked. And then verse 25 tells us that they were not ashamed by that at all. Because things like um, uh, shame and guilt and all of it didn't even exist in the human heart until sin came. Just in perfect relationship with the Lord. Perfect. We can only imagine that. Okay, so again, Adam, later his wife Eve, they have the choice uh, to obey God and enjoy blessing or disobey and uh, reap some consequences uh, from that. And then we see, if you jump to chapter 3, this is where the whole thing uh, goes south. Okay, Satan, God's, God's enemy, okay, fallen angel, he, uh, he enters the picture here as a serpent and engages in uh, a conversation with Eve that alters the course of human history. I mean, is that, is that important of a conversation? And it's really uh, interesting in some ways, if you can look at it like that, it's really interesting what he says there to her. Okay, check, take a look at uh, 3 verse 1, partway down verse 1. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Can you notice how he starts in there? Did God actually say? That's what Satan does. I mean, here is where we see, literally speaking, the oldest trick in the book. Okay, it really is. Satan, he causes Eve to doubt what God says. He causes Eve to doubt what God says. And listen, he has been doing the same thing with everybody ever since. To doubt God's word. Just think about it this way. Maybe you, you wrestle with these kinds of things in your own mind. Um, you know, did God really say that, that you shouldn't get divorced? What's the big deal with that? Every, everyone's doing it. It's no big deal. It's, it's, it's going to solve a lot of your problems. Just get divorced. Who cares? Or, or did God really say that, that having sex before marriage is bad? How can it be bad? It feels so great. Your girlfriend wants to. So go for it. You're not hurting anyone. This is fun. There's a lot of things that he says like that to us, right? Did God really say, you know, don't lie to your boss? You know, or, or gossip is really bad. Did God say that? Did God say that I really need to love my enemy? Really? You know, and I've uh, been thinking about that uh, this week in my own life and just realizing the different ways that, that uh, the enemy tries to sidetrack me by getting me to, to doubt God's word and to doubt what I know is true or to doubt the truth. Okay, it's a huge problem. This is exactly what, what Satan does to Eve here. He casts doubt on what God says and then he takes it a step further. He actually warps what God really does say. He warps it. Take a look at the same verse again. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now, did God actually say that? Is that what God said? He didn't. He didn't say that. He said, he didn't tell them they couldn't eat from any tree. He told them that they could eat from any tree except for this one. And so Satan, what he does here, um, he, he lies. He lies. 
And it completely confuses Eve, which is again, what he tries to do to us. And, and I think the number one reason that he gets away with this stuff in our lives for so long is that we flat out do not know the word of God. We don't know it. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of familiar with it. I'm talking generally speaking. Obviously, some of us do. But generally speaking, people, we don't know the word of God. We know that like, well, Jesus died on the cross, and then he rose again, and then I guess some stuff happened, right? Like we don't know the details, the specifics of, of, what, of what God says is true. So if we don't know what the truth is, how much more susceptible are we going to be to lies? So much more, right? Way more. And so if, if you're getting a sense here this morning that, you know what, like Satan is just like, he, he is on me and I am continually doubting what the Lord says. And I am, I, I am really wrestling with this. And God says one thing and I continually believe another thing. Uh, get your face in this book, get in it, start to learn what the truth is. Okay. It'll make it a lot easier to not get sidetracked. You'll hear Satan say something and be like, ah, 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 that's not true. And you can go back to the verse. This is where it says this. I'm going to stand on this truth. I'm going to choose to believe uh, what God actually says in his word. Okay, but then take a look at this. Eve's response. Okay, obviously she doesn't handle it very well. This is what her response is in verse 3. Uh, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Okay, she gets that part right. But then she says, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Again, did God say that? No, he didn't. He didn't say they couldn't touch it. He said they couldn't uh, eat it. And so what is Eve doing here when she says that? You can easily read over that and not, you know, think it's a big deal. She's exaggerating the strictness of God. That's what we do. You ever feel like that? Sure you do. I do. And I hear it all the time. You know, what's up with the Christian life? It's so lame and boring and can't do anything. Everything's a sin. This is ridiculous. Man, I can't do anything in this life. Why would I follow the Lord? Right? That's exaggerating uh, the strictness of God. And listen, if you're doing that, if you're exaggerating, um, it probably means that you're just a step away from doing something really stupid. If you haven't already. And recognize that. Recognize where you're getting duped by God's enemy who hates you. Remember that. Choose to trust in what God says and what God knows is right and good for you. Now to anyone here who, uh, who isn't, isn't following the Lord, you, you don't know him, um, you, you, know, you would admit that freely, um, and, and you know, you're doubting what I'm saying right now, or you're butting heads with what we just read, um, you need to consider the very real possibility that Satan is going after you as we speak. I would call that a reality, not just a possibility. He is going after you. I don't say any of that to like creep anybody out and, and freak anyone out and nothing like that. But the reality is subtly, he will go after us and be like, man, this is what God says in this book. This is dumb. This is lame. I think it's like this. It should be like this. I'm going to do my own thing. How's your own thing been working out for you? Okay. Don't be blind to the truth here that we see. Trust that God knows what's best and that you need him. Recognize the deception that's going on here in your own life. And trust God. Okay, Eve, obviously she doesn't do that. We know what ends up happening, right? She gives in to the temptation and ends up passing a, a piece of fruit over to Adam. Um, as he stands um, passively by. 
Okay, and that word passive, I just kind of use that as a nicer way of saying that he was just being a total wuss. Okay, he really was. Because verse 6 tells us that, that he was standing there the entire time that this was going on. Okay, it's not like he was out in the woods naming the squirrel or something like that. He wasn't doing that. Okay, he was watching this entire thing happen with his hands in his pockets. Oh, he didn't have pants on. But anyways, with his hands behind his back. Okay, and just like, I'm not going to do anything about this. I'm just going to stand here and do nothing. He should have been defending his wife. He should have been standing up for the truth. But no, he stands idly by and gets roped into the whole scam. Okay, and this is how sin entered the world. Original parents, um, they make a grievous error which has devastating consequences on the rest of humanity. It affects you and me. In Romans 5, you don't need to flip there yet, but Romans 5.19 says, for as by the one man's disobedience, okay, let's talk about Adam there. For by Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Okay, through Adam and Eve's uh, corrupt actions, every human being after them inherited a sinful uh, nature. Okay, which means that we're, we're sinful from day one. We're not like innocent, you know, until we're like 17 and we do something dumb. Okay, we're, we're guilty from day one and we need the Lord from day one. Okay, Genesis is where everything got messed up. Way back in the garden is where mankind took the wrong turn and ended up separated from God because of their sin. Listen, we all need to just face the facts and own up to the reality that I'm sinful. And, and if you're here today again and you don't know the Lord, I, I beg you, don't toss that aside. Don't pretend it doesn't exist or say it's, it's too difficult for me to face, therefore I'm not going to. Right? Don't do that. Have, take courage today and face it. I get that it's tough. I really do. I get that it's uncomfortable. But face it now. Okay, let's, let's stop playing games. Let, let's, ad, let's admit our sin and, and quit ignoring the problem. Okay, my sin has ruined everything. That's the truth. Yeah, I told you, none of this is, uh, none of this is easy. Okay, this isn't the you know, dance through a meadow with butterflies all around, uh, part of the message, right? It really isn't. It, it's tough slogging, but we got to keep going here. Second question. All right. What does it all mean for me? Okay. If the reality is that I'm more sinful than I can imagine and, and my sin separates me from God, <laughs> what exactly does that mean for me? What's it mean? Cause maybe, cause Hey, maybe being separated from God <clears throat> isn't really all that big a deal. Who cares? So I'm, so there's some distance between me and the Lord. What's, what, who cares? There's a lot of people that I'm not all that tight with. And, and I don't really think about that. And I don't really care about that. What, what's the big deal with separation anyways? What's that all about? Well, uh, there's a couple of verses that we do need to look at here that give us the answer. And if you want to go back to Romans now, that'd be uh, great. Jump over to Romans chapter five, Romans chapter five. And I'm going to read here from verse 12. Romans 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, right? We talked about that, Adam. This came to the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, so what's the consequence of our sin based on that verse? What's the word? Death, exactly. Death. And you remember back in Genesis, we just read it. God told Adam uh, not to eat of this one tree or he would surely die, it says. So before sin, there, there was no death, period, nothing. 
Okay, mankind, we were created originally um, to live forever physically. Live forever physically and spiritually. Okay, in a thriving, perfect, and holy relationship with our creator. Okay, but sin obviously uh, wrecked all of that. It caused uh, physical death okay, to the point where you know, our bodies die. They, they break down. I don't think anyone's uh, in the dark about that. Okay, our bodies break down. Um, but also the world itself is in a state of decay. Right? The world, the earth, uh, is affected by our sin. And that's why you hear about things like global warming and, and uh, you know, the ozone layer. There's holes in it. And, and uh, like certain animal habitats are, are being lost. And rainforests are being cut down and destroyed. And, and you know, all of that. Okay, the, world, the world's decaying. And again, it's because of our, because of our sin. Cause spiritual death as well. Not just physical, but spiritual. And Ephesians 2 verse 1, you can just listen. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says that we are dead in our trespasses. We're dead. Okay, spiritually speaking, uh, completely incapable of initiating any relationship with God. Unable to do it. Okay, unable to, you know, fix the dilemma, uh, bridge the gap, uh, provide our own rescue. Okay, put the lid on the coffin, uh, bury it in the ground, dead spiritually. That's where we're at. Okay, th- this is what our separation is. Okay, it's death. Now, uh, hopefully you're still tracking with me here because that's only round one. Ding, ding. That's only round one of our consequences that we get to deal with because of our sin. Here's round two. Take a look at Romans 1 verse 18. A couple chapters back, flip to that. Okay, and Pastor Todd talked about this a little bit last week. Okay, stay with me. We're going to keep going. Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Okay, so the second consequence of our sin is that God's wrath is now pointed in our direction. It is. It's leveled at us. But you might be kind of like, well, well what's, what's wrath exactly? W- what is it? How, how, how can God have wrath? Well, A.W. Pink, theologian, he said this. Okay, the wrath of God is eternal detestation of all unrighteousness. It is the displeasure and indignation of divine equity against evil. And then I love this. Wrath is the holiness of God stirred into activity against sin. That's what God's wrath is. Listen to this. Psalm 45, 7 says, you, it's talking about the Lord. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Psalm 711 says God is a righteous judge, catch the righteous part, and a God who feels indignation every day. Okay, so wrath, it's God's perfect, uh, righteous, and justified hatred towards sin. Uh, Now for you and I, though, it can be uh, maybe a little bit challenging to imagine what that uh, really looks like. Okay, you know, we're so used to seeing people's wrath and people's anger uh, in a sinful way, right? That guy's angry, but he's just a jerk. And so it can, it can be really easy uh, for us to think that because God is, is, is full of wrath, that, that he's in the wrong for that. And we can think, what's up with this guy? He's not a good God. Uh, yeah, he is. He's perfectly good. Okay, all of our sin, what we need to understand is that all of our sin from what we would call the smallest, okay, insignificant white lie type of a sin, all the way up to like triple homicide, okay? All of that and everything in between is a complete and total affront 
to the Lord's authority, to his kindness, his goodness, his holiness, his grace. It's an affront to all of it. And so essentially, let's back it up for a second. Essentially, um, before anything was created, okay, God is just enjoying himself and the relationship of the Trinity uh, perfectly. Okay, our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's kind of like they got together. They're always together, all right? And they basically said, hey, you know what? We got a good thing going here. Hey, we really do. Our relationship with each other is perfection. And, 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 and I think it'd be cool, though, if we uh, created a being to enjoy that with us, that we would invite them to enjoy this perfect relationship with us, and that they would enjoy it themselves, and we would be in the middle of all of that. Okay, that, that's God's heart. That's what he's uh, fired up about. But from Genesis 2 onwards, we've basically taken that, we've looked at that and said, you know what, God, forget it. And kind of in our rebellion, in the, in the pride of our hearts, we're like, you know what, Lord, I don't want anything of it. I don't care about you. I don't want you. I don't need you. I am better than you. Right? That's, what, that, that's what essentially, we, we wouldn't stand up and say that and shake our fists at the heavens literally. We might not, though I know some who have. But every time we sin, no matter what sin it is, that's essentially what our heart's doing. We're shaking our fist at our creator. And because God is, is holy, his holiness um, is, is talking about how he's without blemish. Okay, there's no spot, wrink or sta- uh, wrinkle or stain. Because he's holy, he can't just put up with sin. He can't just put up with that. Habakkuk uh, 1 verse 13 says that God can't look at evil. can't look at it. He can't exist in relationship with it. Because of that, he's, he's compelled to punish it. He's compelled. He's like, he's like I have to. Now, over the next, uh, the next two Sundays or so, we're going to be you know, unpacking um, how God's love compelled him to um, punish his son, Jesus Christ, on the cross instead of us. Okay, so before you get focused too much, maybe on the wrath part, know that God's love, God is love. Okay? And we didn't deserve it, but he, but he rescued us. By, by having his own son killed by the very sinners he was trying to save. Okay, he did that. And if we turn from our sin, we're going to learn in two weeks, uh, if we would just believe, if we would just trust that what Jesus did on the cross is enough to secure our salvation and to wipe our sins out, uh, we could have eternal life and relationship with God forever. Okay, but what about people that reject all that? Right, what about them? Because clearly not everyone's trusting Christ, right? There's a lot who don't. What, what does God's punishment towards unrepentant sinners look like? I'm going to tell you right now, it's not pretty. Okay, and according to scripture, it's an eternity in hell. It's an eternity uh, in hell. I mean, that is the, that's the third and ultimate consequence of our sin if we don't deal with it through Jesus Christ. And I mean, there's, there's a lot that I could, uh, that I could say about hell. Um, we could talk about that for weeks, to be honest with you. But here's a couple of things that the, that the Bible uh, says to picture hell. It pictures hell uh, as an eternal and unquenchable fire. It's utter darkness. It's destruction, torment, pain, suffering, and isolation. That's hell. I heard one guy say once that hell is where God is not. 
This is the destination for every single person who doesn't have a repaired relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I get it. It's not easy for me to come up here and say that. I understand that it's, that it's really hard to think about these things, let alone talk about them, right? It really is. But I would encourage you uh, now, this week, uh, to do just that. Think about these things. Think about hell. Think about wrath and death. Think, think about these things. And, and, and let your, your heart, uh, let yourself weep for the unsaved. Let your heart weep for your own junk. It's important that we do that. A sin left undealt with through Jesus Christ means death and wrath and hell. All right, one more question to go. We see all through scripture um, that we're sinful and, you know, we've missed the mark. Well, what, what is the mark? You know, what is the standard? Back to uh, Romans 3.23, back to our original verse. Okay, a couple, couple chapters over, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, we talked about that, and fall short of the glory of God, it says. Okay, so the standard then for all of us that we all uh, need to attain to? Glory, right? God's glory. Now that word uh, glory is, is just packed, uh, full of meaning all throughout the Bible from cover to cover. Okay, but simply put, uh, God's glory refers to his awesomeness his perfection. And we as, as sinful beings, we just don't stack up to that. Okay. We don't, we fall short of it. Now, obviously for us here at harvest, uh, we're hearing a lot more about the word uh, glory these days. It's one of the central themes really in uh, the whole uh, vertical church book and uh, the whole vertical church tour, by the way, how many, how many of you guys were there this Tuesday at that nice hands down for a sec. How many of you guys have started at least started reading the book? Okay, pretty good. Good. I mean, James unpacks it right there, what glory is all about. I would encourage you to get into that. Give it back to that word for us, glory. Okay, the New Testament word for glory is, is doxa. Doxa, which literally means the light that comes from something brilliant. The light that comes from something brilliant. In Vertical Church, uh, James McDonald writes uh, that glory is the manifestation of God's reality. And he also says a bit later, he says, as heat is to fire, glory is to God. As wet is to water, glory is to God. As light is to bulb, glory is to God. Glory is what emanates from God. And then I love this. He says this as well. He says, glory is the max we can handle of seeing the Lord. It's the the max we can handle. Okay, so when Romans 3 says that, you know, we all fall short of God's glory, it's saying that uh, try as we might, and we all do, okay? We're, we're never going to attain the level of glory and perfection and righteousness and goodness uh, that the Lord possesses. Okay, another th- way of thinking about it is that if glory is what radiates from God, uh, we're never even going to stack up to that radiation. Okay, I, I've been thinking about that this week. I mean, mind blown. Right, we, we don't even stack up to that. Not even close. And you think about a guy like Moses, right? And you remember his story. And he, and he was the guy uh, leading Israel uh, through the desert. And, and he, uh, he said to the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. And God's like, man, uh, you don't even really know what you're asking, but uh, we'll give this a shot. And he says, uh, remember, he's up on the mountain. And he says, uh, you can't actually look straight at my face or you'll die. He's like, I'm that holy. 
I mean, that's holiness right there. He's like, but we'll try this. Here, why don't you close your eyes, uh, turn your back, and I'm going to stuff you in this little crack in the rock, and then I'm going I'm to pass by you, shielding you with my hand, by the way, so that you don't die, shield you, and then when I walk past you, I'm going to let you turn around and look at my back. You guys remember what happened to Moses? He was up there for, I think, like another 40 days, and then he comes down off the mountain, and his face was completely glowing. Right to the point where everyone was like super weirded out by that. Like, what is going on? He said his skin was literally shining with the glow of God's glory. He had to like wear a veil and, and, and all of that. Okay, Moses was a guy who understood where the standard was. Right, he got it. Okay, another guy in scripture who I see who, who understood this, John the Baptist. Remember him back in the New Testament, right in the beginning of the Gospels? Uh, he's out there and he's kind of like a wild, crazy mountain man type of a guy, right? And he was out there, you know, preaching uh, that the Savior was coming and preaching a, a baptism of repentance, essentially. And people started to get kind of confused about that. And they were like, um, hey, man, are you, are you the Messiah that we've been uh, proclaiming about for, for centuries? Um, are, are you that guy? You remember his response to all that? He was like, whoa, 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 no. Like, I'm not, I'm not him. I'm not that special. Hey, but there's a guy who's coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy of untying. Okay, John the Baptist, uh, he got it with razor-sharp clarity. Okay, Jesus, God, amazing. Uh, he fell way short of that. And John MacArthur, he's uh, a great preacher and pastor. He explains that the words uh, fall short has the basic meaning of being last or inferior. And I love what he says here. Every human being comes in last as far as the glory of God is concerned. And how amazing is that? Okay, really? I mean, it's kind of like if you were going to uh, run a 100-meter ra- uh, race against Usain Bolt. Okay, who's losing that race every time? Like, all of us, right? We're all losing. I mean, you would never even be arrogant enough to be like, hey, you know what, Bolt? I did like 40 push-ups this week, and I think this time you're going down. De- it's not happening, right? It's really not. We, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't be so foolish to think that way. Okay, now imagine the holiness of God and us trying to say that we're good enough. Uh, we're righteous, Okay, it's ridiculous. Okay, so what's the standard that you and I uh, need to measure up to? It's white-hot perfection. It really is. Okay, so how are we all doing with that? Fail, right? Brutal. Okay, when you start to think about where the benchmark is that we all need to attain to if we want to have a perfect relationship with God, I mean, doesn't it just make you feel like a tool forever thinking you were good enough? I mean, it should, right? Okay, well, I'm a pretty good person because I, who cares? Right? Lame. Our mouths should be shut. We got nothing. We should all be stripped bare of our arrogance and our pride when we see what the standard of good really is. Hey, this is why we talk about sin. This is why we do it as a church, because the Bible does. Because God wants us to be shaken awake, shaken alive by the truth, by the fact of the matter that we fall way short of his glory. Our sin rips us away from fellowship with the Father. That's what our sin does. Only he can fix it. And so we talk about sin today, not because I get my kicks out of making you try to, trying to make you feel bad. I don't get any satisfaction out of that. I tell you because feeling bad is a relatively small sacrifice for a life lived 
for Jesus Christ in forgiveness and holiness. We need to feel bad. You realize that right now there are churches across Canada and across the world that are meeting today that have totally thrown the book out on talking about sin. They're like, well, it makes people feel uncomfortable and, and we want people to think we're cool and uh, we, want, we want to be nice and, and all of this kind of stuff. Okay, they're blowing it. Churches are blowing it. And if we don't talk about sin, we're living in make-believe world. And personally, I mean, I've been to some churches and I've been to Christian concerts and events and, and things like that where I think some very well-meaning um, but, but, but wrong leaders, Christian leaders have gotten up and they've proclaimed an incomplete gospel. Okay, they've missed the sin part. The real scary thing about this with, uh, to me is that people responded to this. I, I, wa- I want to I know Jesus. I want Jesus to come into my life. Okay, I mean, that's, that's great. But the guy didn't even mention the word sin, let alone explain what wrath is and all that. What are you putting your hand up for? You can't just add Jesus to whatever you're doing. Sin needs to be taken care of. This is why we preach it. This is why we talk about it. This is why we don't give up on it. So I don't know, were these people who put their, put their hand up and they got the tears flowing because something clicked emotionally for them? I don't know. Are they saved? I don't know. It's, at the end of the day, it's not up to me to judge that, right? But I can make a judgment on that message I heard. Unbiblical. Okay, it's wrong. It was unclear at best and tragically misleading at worst. All these people leaving, thinking that they're saved when there's a good chance they aren't. And they go through their life you know, wondering, you know, why do I have no power in my life to overcome things like these other Christians I see do? Or, or, or even more likely than that, bail on God, the first sign of trial. What's trial all about? I wasn't promised that. I thought I could just add Jesus to my life and everything would go well. Trials prove our salvation, whether it's legit or not, right? Listen, I don't know about you, but I desperately do not want Harvest Berry to play church like some girl plays the dollhouse. Let's not mess around with this. Let's, let's, let's take this seriously now. Let's deal with our sin before the Lord. Let's cry out for his presence, for his glory to shine on this place. Not just now when I'm up here talking. Let's pray for it in our lives. When you're praying with your wife, when you're praying with your kids, when you're praying for your neighbors and your family and all of that, that God's glory would show up on, in this place. When he does, we're going to feel pretty small. We're going to want to take care of our sin because we're going to see that he is so much better than all of that. Let's do that. Let's go after that. Now again, one more time. Okay, to anyone here who does not yet know Jesus Christ, in many ways, this message is completely for you. In many ways. Okay, you have an opportunity right now. I don't even have to finish this sentence. Right now, put your faith in Christ. Confess your sin. God, please take this away from me. Be my savior. You can do it. Hard, uncomfortable. Yeah. But if you don't, eternity's at stake. Now the rest of us who maybe know Christ for however long, doesn't matter. Um, Let's be honest with ourselves. We still got our own junk we're working through, right? 
We do. And uh, we know that when, when Jesus saves us, the Bible talks about that as justification. So positionally, we are now saved. Our salvation is secure. Heaven is our destination. All of that. We're forgiven. We've been pardoned. But the reality is the rest of our life, we still have to go through a process the Bible calls sanctification, which is growth. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to sin. We still need God to forgive us on a daily basis uh, for the things we're doing now. If you're truly saved, you're not going to lose your salvation. It's not getting re-saved. It's not any of that. But the rest of us, we need to deal with this. And so Jordan and the band, they're going to come out in a second. Uh, they're going to lead us in one more song. And just as, as we're doing that and as we're singing, as you're feeling, com- feeling compelled, okay, sing. If you want to sing, go ahead and stand and do that. If you want to sit and bow your head and deal with some sin in your life, go for it. If you need to get on your knees, go for it. Do whatever it takes. Don't leave here saying, oh, that was nice. No, it wasn't. It was awful, right? Let's deal with it now and get to a good place. I'm going to pray. And as I pray, um, for any unsaved that are out there, you can um, repeat in your own heart after me what I'm going to say here. Um, Just a, a sinner's prayer. It's the kind of thing that you can pray if you want to, for the first time, start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And right before I get into prayer, I would just say that if anyone prays this along with me right now, uh, come up and find me afterwards. Me and some of the leaders are going to be up here. We want to talk with you, okay? We want to talk with you. We want to help answer any questions you have, all that kind of stuff. We want to pray with you. Okay, so let's pray now. God, you are awesome, and uh, you are the God who saves. And so many of us here are, uh, can bear witness to that. The work that you have done uh, in my heart is nothing short of incredible. Um, totally picked me up out of the ditch and put me back on the road again. And God, I know that there's people out here right now who need to make that decision, need to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're out there, I would just pray that you would follow uh, this prayer now in your own heart, make it true for yourself. Lord Jesus, I can see that you're amazing. You are holy, you are without blemish, you are perfect. And God, I fall so far short of that. Lord, I recognize that I have sin in my life of all kinds. Lord, I confess that to you as as a problem. I confess all of it. Lord, would you take that sin and remove it from my life and give me eternal life in its place through Jesus Christ, your son. Lord, give me strength to live for you. I love you, Lord. God, we all love you. We're so grateful for the eternal gift of your son, eternal gift of salvation. We pray these things in your name.